and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season four, episode three, The Harsh Light of Day. Fucking Parker. Fucking Parker. Even when you know it's even when you know it's coming, you know what's going to happen. Oh, I still fuck that guy so much. Oh, Uh, I do not have any announcements, shockingly. So we can go ahead and get right into this episode because just so much happened. And we, yeah, let's get started because Mary and I off mic spent so much time just (laughs) like we didn't spend a whole weekend together. (laughs) Yeah, I've never seen this person before in my life. I I can talk to them. I know. So The Harsh Light of Day, it aired October 19th, 1999, and our synopsis is Spike visits UC Sunnydale looking for a mystical gem that will allow him to walk in the sunlight and be impervious to stakes and crosses. Meanwhile, Buffy has romance on her mind when an upperclassman shows an interest. Oh, fuck you, Parker. Do we have any international titles? We absolutely do. So in Czech, we have, and, and a lot of them are just a play on Harsh Light of Day. So it is, it is a little, it is kind of interesting to see how some of them translate. So in Czech, we have Fierce Daylight. Finnish is Irritating Daylight, which same. <laughs> I kind of like that one. I do too. I'm like, the, it's, it's the day star. It burns. French is Disillusions, German, The Stone of Amara, Hungarian, Amara's Jewel, Italian, The Blinding Light of Day, Japanese, Cruel Light of Day. Love that. Polish, apparently this takes place in the the, the heart of summer, Brutal Daylight. Portuguese from Brazil, The Cruel Light of Day, Romanian, Cruel Light of Day, Spanish from Latin America, The Hurtful Light of Day, and Spanish from Spain, the rough light of day. I kind of like the cruel light of day. Yeah, I like the cruel light of day. I do like irritating daylight. I do like irritating daylight. Yeah. That's going to be a hard choice. But I like one of the things that I like about this title is another. It's another one of those titles that play with both the A plot and the B plot. It does. It really does. You know, it works with the whole thing Spike's got going on. And then it works with Buffy's thing with fucking Parker. I think that's why I kind of like Cruel Light of Day. Yes. It, it it fits. I feel it fits both plots a little bit oh, better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you, have, then you have the Germans and the Hungarians that are just like, fuck it. We're just going to talk about the jewel. Well, I mean, what you going to do? All right, so we get no previously on this week. Instead, we go straight to the bronze where the dingoes are playing and where Buffy and Willow are sitting at a table listening and talking about Parker. Fucking Parker. Fucking Parker. Turns out he and Buffy have spent quite a bit of time together over the past week. Willow thinks that entitles her to look at him outright instead of just stalking him through the mirror. (laughs) I, I like the view of him through the mirror. I do. Thing is, they're not there together that night, and Buffy doesn't want to come off as clingy, so stalking it is. Oz joins them, asking if the girls are ready to go, and Willow tells them not yet, that Buffy is still stalking Parker via his reflection. And hey, he actually has a reflection. So that's a plus. That's a very good I mean, again, we we don't know what's we we don't know what's gonna happen, right? So that right. is a point in his favor. 
And he's, she's seen him in the sunlight, so that's a second point. Yes. She then teases Buffy, saying she's having all sorts of wrong, lusty feelings, which Buffy vehemently denies. Willow seems to agree with her after that, but Buffy admits she kind of is, and Willow says no, what she meant is they're not wrong. She's free. They're both consenting adults. She is free, right? <laughs> Before Buffy can answer that, Parker also joins them. He's about to head out, and it's not really safe around there. So if she needs someone to walk her to her dorm, Willow did say it was five miles to campus. <sighs> Are we supposed to believe all these college kids walked five miles? I, I even made bronze? I even made a note of that in my in my, like I don't make many notes, but that one I made a note of because again. I need somebody to watch all of these episodes, somebody who is really good at making maps, and just make the weirdest, most fucked up map, because there is no way. And I mean, this, like, when you see them in the next scene when when they're walking, it's the downtown area, like we saw in multiple episodes. It, it looks almost exactly like the shot that they did in the Christmas episode with Buffy yeah. and Angel. Probably because they have one main street, like they have one alley. Well, yes, yes, we 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 know that, but yeah, like what college student is walking five miles and five miles there? Ten nightclub, ten miles a day to go to the small child nightclub. Now, granted, we we had we had in our town, we didn't. It wasn't a small child nightclub, you know. It was twenty one plus, but it was like right in the center of town. So that's where anyone who is twenty one plus would go. But there was no way anybody was walking five miles. No. I mean, in my middle of the middle of nowhere college town, five miles, you'd be in the woods. If we have any cartographers out there that would like to Seriously. draw us a lovely map of Sunnydale, you will be our new best friend. I mean, there, there, they like the official books. Like they have maps that they put out, but it still makes no sense. Oh no, in context. So, like, we need somebody who is good at actually making a map and pinpointing where everything is by using the directions that they say <laughs> on the show. Because I need to know what this would look like in real world terms. Anyway, Buffy and Parker head out, Buffy and Willow exchanging smiles. Then we're off to the very scenic back alley where Willow is helping the dingoes load up Oz's van. I will say I love Devin's shirt in this. Devin's shirt. Devin is just a delight. Devin's belly, like Devin's Devin's stomach hanging out here, like in a too short shirt. He's rocking it. It's working for him. I would go home with him. Devin conveniently mentions that the band will be playing a gig in L.A. soon. Oh, I wonder what that could mean. (laughs) Right? This is, of course, to set up the second half of the storyline, which will take place on Angel, and we will talk about sometime in the future. When we get to Angel, we will get the resolution to this episode. So go watch it, right? You know, go watch it. If you just, you, you know what, just go. I mean, not right now. Listen to us first. As they head back inside to grab more stuff, Willow waits by the van. She hears someone calling her name and turns to see Harmony. Hey, Willow hasn't seen her since graduation. Yeah, big snake, right? So how was her summer vacation? Harmony says she was going to go to France, but then she didn't. She was dying to see all the stores and the museums. (laughs) Willow's very excited about the museums. Harmony, not so much. She tells Willow she's so funny and hasn't changed at all. Willow says the same to Harmony, but mm, that's not true. Harmony's changed 
a little. And to demonstrate just how, she goes all grr and bites Willow. Credits, still awesome. Poor Willow. Poor Willow, indeed. But yay, we love, we, we do love Harmony and... Oh, love Vampire Harmony. Vampire Harmony is the superior Harmony. We return to the credits just as Oz is coming to Willow's rescue, fighting Harmony off with a mic stand and allowing Willow to grab a cross. As they order Harmony back, Harmony tells Willow, fine, hide behind her boyfriend. But she has a boyfriend too, and he's going to be real mad they were mean to her. (laughs) She runs off and we join Buffy and fucking Parker on their walk back. Parker having just asked Buffy about her hobbies, interests, things she likes to do. He says there's so much he doesn't know about her. Well, mostly, she likes to hang out and do things. He was into that too a while back. As they cross the street, he stops her. She has a scar, which I am 80% certain we will never see again. Yeah, this is the first time, like, this is... Yeah, yeah. He runs his thumb over the place on her neck where Angel bit her, and she tells him it was an angry puppy. Uh, The angry puppy bit that runs through this episode, it just, I love it so much. Does she get to see any of his scars? His are all psychological. The best kind, (laughs) according to Buffy. Well, Well, his father died last year. Immediately, Buffy is regretting her comment, saying she didn't mean to drag up anything unpleasant. Bad, bad Buffy. He assures her, however, that he's fine to talk about it. And he doesn't want Buffy to think that this is a thing. The whole, I am so broody, now give me love thing. No, it totally, <laughs> totally is. Oh, it is. It is. That's that's what makes it even shittier. It's just, what makes it sad is that there's all this stuff his dad just <sighs> forgot to finish. It's really made Parker want to live in the now. What a douchebag. Oh, God. You know, I, I get it. I... <sighs> I can't say that I wouldn't fall for it either, you know. Oh, I totally would have fallen for it. I know me. And I mean, and and especially look at Parker. I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's got that dark hair and dark, like he's got that puppy dog look to him. Yep. And I think that's what even makes me madder at Parker, because I know I would fucking fall for it. (laughs) Like, fuck you. What Parker doesn't know, because he is the worst, is that he's (laughs) actually hit a very real sentiment with Buffy. And she tells him that. Tells him about how she thinks about the whole leaving things unfinished things a lot. About how she actually drowned a few years back. It's made her realize she can't really put things off. Parker hears her and says, that's a thing, right? Everyone says they get it. But really, they just want an excuse to goof off and not study for finals. Which, also a valid life choice. The two share a small, quiet moment, and then Parker, Parker, (sighs) tells Buffy it's nice to finally be around someone who gets it, really gets it. This leads her to ask him, what is he going to regret not doing when he goes to sleep that night? Not asking her to go to the party at Wolf House with him tomorrow. Would she? Yes. Yes, she would. We leave them and go to Giles' place where Xander (laughs) is not enjoying helping him organize. Giles tells him that if he would just do it correctly then they would be done. But he doesn't get Giles' crazy system. His system is called the alphabet. Well, would you look at that? Xander goes back to shelving as Giles' door opens and Anya walks in. He should really lock that. (laughs) Looking at Anya, Giles says, trust him. He's kicking himself over not. Anya? Xander is more than a little surprised to see her there. Considering the last time he saw her, she was fleeing in terror. How'd that work out for her, by the way? She says she needs to talk to him before looking back to Giles and telling him to go away. 
<laughs> I love how Giles is standing there looking protective dad. Oh, yeah. He's in full-on like, dad mode. And this is his house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, like, as annoying as he finds Xander, Xander is still one of his children. Yes. Yes, he is. And, and I love apparently... Know. I love also, apparently, Giles is paying Xander to organize his books. Because Giles is, he's trying to take care of his children. I mean, yeah, like, because he brought, he, you know, he brought all of his stuff from the library. So now he has to organize it in that tiny ass apartment. But I love that he's gave Xander a job doing it. <sighs> Anya pulls Xander outside. He's working <laughs> for Giles. Yeah, he needs some money. And where's their relationship going? Anya does not waste any time. They're what now? relationship what kind do they have and what is it progressing towards they have a relationship (laughs) yes they went to prom that they did on their one and only date second date was called on account of snake remember Mm -hmm. not to mention the whole she used to be a man killing demon thing though if he's fair that's as much his issue as hers Ani tells him she can't stop thinking about him and sometimes in her dreams he's all naked is he well, if he's in the checkout line at Walmart, then <laughs> he's had the same one. <laughs> so then she can assume a standing Friday night date with prom night as their anniversary. Oh, hold on. Xander needs her to slow down. In fact, he needs her to come to a screeching halt. <laughs> These things, they need to develop on their own. Okay, how? He doesn't know. They just do. <laughs> Buffy and Parker. Fucking Parker. Oh, have reached Buffy's storm room. She starts to lean in for a kiss when Oz and Willow arrive, Willow holding what appears to be tissues to her neck. Remember Harmony? She's back from her summer vacation and she's different. Different? You know, paler. As Buffy begins to put that together, Parker asks what happened to Willow's neck. Neck! Paler! Puppy! The angry puppy! (laughs) Yes! I love how apparently the angry puppy is targeting them. (laughs) It's a very angry puppy. It is. It really, it really is. <sighs> yes. Oz says they came to warn her about the angry puppy. Turning back to Parker, she says she should kind of take care of this. Like, now. No problem. He'll pick her up for the party tomorrow. She can't wait. He leaves and Willow reminds them of her injury. Band-Aid. Now, please. Buffy She's immediately so cute. the room and they head inside, Willow giving a small... Thank you. <laughs> she's so cute in this scene. I love her. <laughs> I love her. Next we see she's being patched up by Oz while Buffy tries to wrap her head around the whole harmony equals vampire thing. She must be dying without her reflection. Willow says she just made her so mad. Oh, <laughs> my boyfriend's going to beat you up. Boyfriend. If you believe her, Willow says she was always used to lie about that. Oh, he goes to a different school. You wouldn't know him. Oz says Devin dated her for a while, but she was too flaky for him, which marvelous <laughs> concept. So, I, love I love the idea. I love the idea of Devin and Harmony dating and Harmony being too much, just too much for Devin. Well, that is like a really interesting thing, though, because that means Devin dated both Cordelia and Harmony. And I wonder if that has anything to do with like the disillusion of their friendship. Yeah, that could be it. And meanwhile, Devin's just being Devin. Devin's just doing Devin. He's he's a lead singer of a band. He's wearing cut off t-shirts. He's living his best life. Actually, I don't even think it was a, t- a cut off. I think it was like a girl's t-shirt. It was a crop top. Yeah. It was like his 80 like crop top shirt. Yeah, yeah. He was, he's living his best life. I wonder how he's doing now. 
Buffy's just, wow, guy dating Harmony dead. He must be like the most tolerant guy in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Oh, no, 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 no. Because he's the absolute opposite of that. Oh, my God. As we learn, when Harmony descends deep into the tunnels behind Sunnydale, she approaches a guy using a jackhammer and telling him she's back. (sighs) As he takes off the mask, we see that it's Spike. Spike. Spike, you, you, you done fucked up, baby. Later, standing at a table, looking over a map with another vamp, Spike wants to make sure they have the location right. He doesn't want to end up tunneling into someone's septic tank. He's sure, mostly. See the walls here? Spike slams his head down onto the table. He better be more than sure, as he would just hate to hurt him. Spike is being delightfully threatening, right up until Harmony comes up and asks how her blondie bear is doing. Not now, Harmony. Which is basically what Spike says. Asking her if this looks like the best time to talk. She just wants to know if he's going to kill Willow today. Because she wants to make sure that he tells Willow her death is because she messed with his sweet girl. The little biting motion that Harmony does I... to shoulder. Mercedes is just the cutest. She is. This, this, this whole episode with her and Spike, she is fantastic. Like, I love how she goes from, like... You know, she's antagonizing him and he's pissing, he's pissed off at her. And she's just like, oh, but look at me. Look at my veins. I like do not know how she and James got through half these that scenes. That if they, they're so good. Like, it's such a I great been laughing hysterically. It, they're, they're so good. Like, and I know that it's it's not a relationship that can last due to their personalities. But for what we get to see of them, it's it's fun. Letting the minion go, Spike takes her aside and reminds her that no one knows he's there. So he's not going to kill the Slayer's best friend, as that would kind of announce his presence. He almost killed her last year. Why does he suddenly have a problem with it now? There's a bit of eye rolling and telling her to sod off before he suggests she go get her something herself something to eat. He's working. She moves towards the human they have changed to the wall, but she doesn't want him. He tastes funny. <laughs> Which, there's an interesting theory to that. It's never confirmed because we only see this guy for, like, two seconds. But he is wearing, like, an olive green t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And we often see the initiative wearing those with, like, the BDU pants. Yeah. And we find out later all the members of the initiative are secretly drugged. Yeah. So it is possible that he does taste funny. Yeah, I think I I think that's where they were going with it. But again, it's not something that you can flat out say. Yeah. But I think I think that's what it is. Yeah. Because we we know that we know that vampires can get drunk from Yep. From drinking from somebody who's drunk. Like we know that they can get effects from the human. So it would make sense that if the kid There's is drugged. Blood. Yeah. Yeah. But not knowing. And, and again, you don't know, like, you know, when you're, you, you know, when you're getting drunk, but you don't know what this weird yeah. drug is that they, that this kid has. He's perfectly fresh. She thinks she had a math class with him last year and she didn't like him then. She wants to go out. She wants to party. With a growl, Spike stops towards her, pushing her against the wall. This makes Harmony smile just a little because right there, in front of Brian, as we learn, the minion's name is Brian. Vampire like, Brian. She? Maybe. After a party, Spike growls again, but he too is smiling. Tonight, he'll take her somewhere special. 
which turns out to be the frat party, (laughs) as that's where we go next. Biff naked, playing on the makeshift stage, kids dancing, drinking, juggling. Juggling beer bottles. I mean, there's always... The college in the 90s, there was always somebody juggling something. Oh, there was. Hacky sacks, those weird, like, you had the sticks with the stick in the middle going back and forth and flipping it. Parker compares it to the last days of Rome, he and Buffy wandering through the chaos. Oh, God, this whole pseudo-intellectual thing that he has going. It's going to get so much worse. I know, it's, oh. It's better than that, because there's no old Romans. Does she want to dance? No, no, they should definitely have a meaningful conversation. Making their way to the dance floor, they run into Harmony and Spike, who are holding a third, mostly unconscious guy between them. Buffy's not expecting this. (laughs) Not at all. For a moment, she looks ready to go into fight mode before amusement and joy take over. Surprise! Spike's (laughs) Harmony's boyfriend. Harmony wastes no time in throwing some shade at Buffy and her outfit. While Spike, Spike wants to get a look at the new boy. Parker introduces himself, but as Spike is still supporting a mostly out of it boy, and you know, he's Spike, he doesn't take the offered hand. Still, he likes Parker. He has, what would one call it? Vulnerability. So him and Harmony, what'd he do? Lose a bet? (laughs) Hey! Harmony looks ready to say something, but Spike interrupts. How they met? Funny story, actually. See? He throws the boy at Buffy and Parker before beginning to make his escape. Harmony follows, as does Buffy, telling Parker to wait there for her. However, by the time she's gotten outside, they appear to be gone. Or are they? Because as Buffy creeps around the side of the house, stake in hand, Spike appears out of the bushes. What's the matter? Did you dump him again? Maybe he dumped her. Ever thought of that? <laughs> of course, Harmony's right there and ready to chip in, telling Buffy that Drew left him for a fungus demon. <laughs> and some days, that's all Spike can talk about. <laughs> Harmony! <laughs> I love Harmony. No chill. Turning to look at her, Spike says, they're going, before telling Buffy that it isn't time yet. Yeah, but as soon as they have the gem of Amara, she's going to be so Harmony! <laughs> <laughs> No telling the Slayer his plans. I love it. I love it. Like, he is trying to be so cryptic and mysterious, and she's just, she's ruining it. She's, she's a bad vampire. Frustrated, Spike pulls her away. Buffy watches for a moment before we move to Sanders' basement. <laughs> and he's putting up a disco ball. Yes, he's putting up a disco ball to the sounds of the washing machine. <laughs> A small knock sounds and Xander tells whoever it is to come in. Turns out it's Anya. Again. (laughs) She tells him that his mother sent her around from the front of the house and that she wants him to add fabric softener when the timer goes off. Can they talk some more? Sure. He doesn't see why not. Does she want something to drink? He has cran apple juice. Which, how, how cute is that? I know. I love that Xander keeps juice around. And not just juice, but juice boxes. Yes. Like, it's 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 a simple thing. And also, we can also discuss how inexpensive juice boxes are. Oh, so, yeah. Fucking family. <laughs> because as he goes to get said juice box, explaining that one usually calls before coming over, Anya just lets her dress fall to the floor. So that when Xander turns around, he's presented with a naked Anya. Somehow that makes him squeeze the juice box (laughs) a little too 
card, Crayon Apple now cascading onto the floor. I mean, I can't exactly blame him for that. You turn around and there's a naked person. Back on campus, Buffy is on the phone to Giles explaining what just happened and telling him that Spike and Harmony appear to be looking for something. A gem. The gem of Amara? Amara. Is she certain? Yeah. Why? Because it's not real. It's the vampire equivalent of the Holy Grail. Excuse me, Giles. (laughs) Sir. Sir. Are you telling me the Holy Grail doesn't exist? Because if that's what you're saying, sir, we are in a fight. (laughs) Also, we're going to talk more about the Holy Grail in a sec because I took several classes on it in college and I have to show off what I did somehow. (laughs) Put 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 that to use. According to Giles, the gem is a source of great power, though when it comes to what the power is, the writings are very vague. It became of great interest to vampires sometimes around the 10th century, but while many quests were embarked upon looking for it, it was never found, which led to the conclusion it never existed. Well, Spike seems to think it exists. Giles says he'll look more into it before telling Buffy that she's done all she can for the night and should get some rest. Yes, rest so sleepy. Buffy gives a fake little yawn before hanging up the phone and going back to the party. Okay, so the Holy Grail. Let's see. Let's see what I can remember. So the Holy Grail is a huge thing in Arthurian literature, which was a huge part of my college education. I took several classes on like myth making and Arthurian legend and like the power of stories. We talked about the Holy Grail a lot. And the whole so a the, the funny thing is a grail can be like anything. The grail. It can be a cup or a dish or a stone. 90% of the time it is portrayed as a cup, a chalice, like a goblety looking thing. And it has healing powers. It can give eternal youth. It can provide sustenance and instant abundance. It all depends on what story you're reading. If you drink the wrong cup, you age and turn to dust. If you drink the wrong cup, you age and turn to dust. Thank you, Indiana Jones. Speaking of, yeah, one of those things, one of those things, a line that from we use all the time, he chose poorly. He chose poorly. That is the cup of a carpenter. (laughs) That is a cup Um, of a carpenter. So yeah, so comparing the Jehovah Mara to the Holy Grail makes a lot of sense because like no matter what you read, the powers are different. The origin is different. Who's guarding it is different. And many, many quests are embarked throughout literature to find this. Um, Christiane Detroit was really the first person to write about it um, sometime in the 12th, 13th century. But it, I think like the most um, and the 12th century is also I'm like I know I'm rambling so bear with me people here because Christiane Detroit introduced it sometime in the 12th 13th century the 12th century is also where we get the whole Joseph of Arimathea it came down from Christ then it's featured in like the Lancelot cycle the Mort de Arthur um, everyone knows it from T.H. White everyone knows it from Monty Python and as we just talked about everybody knows it from Indiana Jones like it, it's it and Excalibur are probably like two of the most famous things ever. In, yep. Yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody knows about the everybody Holy Grail. Everybody knows the Holy Grail. Like you, you know it from somewhere. I'm also seeing to like, where else does it show up? Yeah. Miss of Avalon, the Wasteland. Bernard Carwell wrote his books. If you tell me, if you tell me you don't know what a whole, what the Holy Grail is, I'm going to assume you're lying. Yeah. Or trying to be cool. It shows up in the Dresden Files. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, everybody knows. It shows up in Babylon 5. It shows yep. up in Stargate. 
Assassin's Creed. Like there's, it, the office has an episode where they send like Dwight on a grail. Like everybody knows what the Holy Grail is. Mm-hmm. But yes, I spent a lot of my college education talking about the Holy Grail. So I was very excited that like, even in my rambling, like this is what it is thing. I got to talk about it because it's what I do. Use that, use that education that you paid for. Exactly. I paid for this education. <laughs> He is not wrong when he says, like, being an English major is a scam. Oh, yeah. It totally is. Yeah. But occasionally I get to put it to good use. All right. Back in Spike and Harmony's lair, Spike is once again looking over the schematics of their dig while Harmony lounges in bed flipping through a magazine. Is Antonio Banderas a vampire? No. Can she make him one? No. Actually, wait. On second thought, yes. Go. Go make him a vampire. And she should take her time. Do Melanie and the kids as well. I totally like this time in the 90s for anybody who, again, did not live through the 90s. Antonio Banderas was huge. Oh, yeah. I I mean, (laughs) this was a few years after Interview with the Vampire. So like, (laughs) which was one of his first English speaking roles. Yeah. So like, it makes sense. She'd ask about him being a vampire. This was the time when like Saturday Night Live was doing the skits about the Antonio Banderas show. Yeah. That always ended in too sexy, too sexy. Like Mask of Zorro came out in 98. When was Evita? Uh, Evita was 96, a 96. So yeah. Evita, oh. Antonio Spy Kids? Spy Kids, yeah, like, yeah. Antonio Bandera, like, in this um, Desperado. Desperado. You know, there was, yeah, there was a whole, this was a whole big, big time period for, for Antonio Banderas. Yeah, Assassins. So the thing I love about this is it's kind of like the Yoda line in Schoolhard, right? So mm-hmm. from the Yoda line, we know that Spike has seen Star Wars, or at least knows of it. Yep. Here we know that he's caught up with a celebrity gossip enough to know who Antonio Banderas is married to. And know who's he know who he's she he's married to and know that they have kids. Like I mean, I love this for him. Like, good job, Spike. He keeps honestly, up like he probably like probably what he did was he stole tabloids and stuff and people magazines from people's houses, like when he killed them. I can see that. Like I can see I see him hanging around somebody's suburban home that they invited this very handsome British man in. And then, you know, I'm the, I'm envisioning him, you know, everybody's dead and he's just sitting there flipping through their magazines. Oh, yeah, because Spike is one of those vampires who adapts to the changing world. So he keeps up to date on these things. And you know what? I, th- I bet Joe also signs everybody up for subscriptions if they want it. Good job, Joe. Good yeah. job. Like people have people have New York Times subscriptions. <laughs> they you know, he makes sure that anybody who wants to be able to keep up with the Times is able to. Yeah. Pausing in her reading, Harmony marvels over the fact that she no longer has a pulse. Can they eat a doctor? She wants to get a stethoscope and hear her heart not beating. Spike would like to know what it would take for Harmony to shut up. (laughs) He stands glaring and Harmony is all about it. Smiling as she traces a lone finger across her breast. Because if her heart doesn't beat, then why does she have all these veins? She's practically covered in them. See? (laughs) Can we take a moment and just thank whoever it is that decided Spike should spend this whole scene shirtless? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Like, thank you. Thank you because he's shirtless. She's laying there in a negligee looking all sexy. 
Yeah, you know, everything about this is just perfect. But we don't get a lot of shirtless Spike until like season six. So I was very grateful for this mm-hmm. tiny tidbit. Yeah. And it, again, it was very nice because you've got you've got the girl half naked. You got him half naked. You got something for everybody. Everything for the bisexuals in this room. Like we are appreciating it. And then he starts that thing where he's crawling across the bed. Oh, this whole scene, like this scene. I was just like, whoa, I forgot how much I enjoyed this scene. This scene is too sexy for the CW, WB, whatever it was at the time. This was too sexy for like teenage television. Again, (sighs) this is one of those things where you imagine if it was on a different station. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, we're getting we're getting interview with the vampire now, the TV series, and that is no holds barred. Whew. As he approaches Harmony and kisses her, he tells her they have an extra set of chains. And while I would totally let Spike chain me up, mm-hmm. Harmony is at no because ew. Just because Dorcas, Spike grabs her hair and yanks her head back. Drusilla. Her name was Drusilla. Whatever. He tells her to say her name and Harmony once again goes with Dorcas as Spike tells her to bite her tongue. She says do it for her. Damn. This is, this is, this is, yeah, this is like, I mean, like Buffy and Angel, like their whole, their, like their whole, that was, that was just chill compared to. That was, I mean, that was sweet and romantic. You know, that was, that was a whole, that mean, that was a whole, that was fine. This is steamy romance novel levels right here. In Xander's basement, Anya is telling Xander the many, many reasons they should do the same. Most of which boil down to the idea that Anya thinks sleeping with Xander may be the key to getting over him, putting him behind her, so to speak. For the act itself, she'd like to be more face to face. (laughs) Xander... It's not that he doesn't like Anya or find her attractive. There's actually a directness about her that he finds endearing. It's just they don't really know one another. And sex, it's about expressing something and accepting consequences. Oh, don't worry. Anya has condoms. Some are black. That's (laughs) very considerate, actually. I, I I love Anya. I just... Anya is prepared. Like, she, she did her studying. She did homework before coming here. But not what Son, but not what Xander was talking about. Coming close to him, Anya says she likes him. He's funny and nicely shaped, and it seems ludicrous to have these interlocking bodies and not, you know, interlock. Closing the final gap, she tells him to please remove his clothes now. <laughs> Amazing is all her talking and trying to get to logic it is still more romantic than faith. Well, yeah, and we're going to talk about that. But first, the timer goes off, which Anya reminds him means fabric softener. Okay, yeah, of course that's more romantic than Faith. Because though Anya is clearly leading the situation, mm-hmm. she's also, also expressing her desire for Xander as a person. Mm-hmm. She likes him. She thinks it's funny. This yeah. is about him and her. The yes. two of them. Not just Anya wanting to get it off because she's horny. Mm-hmm. It's not candlelight and roses but it is what xander says it should be it is like anya's feeling and one of the thing one of the things that i do like about this scene with anya is that yes like she like she wants xander but she is also very considerate like she's talking to him she's telling like she is expressing what she wants and not just jumping on him. Like she wants him exactly. to, she wants him to feel the same way. 
she wants him to want her as much as she wants him. Yeah. Which, again, it was all about Faith getting off. And this is like Anya in her, like, not really understanding humans way and also trying to understand them is approaching. It is a very clinical way that she's approaching it. Yes. But again, it is, it is romantic. It's a little romantic. It is a little romantic. It is. And it's very, it's just very adorable how she is approaching it. And also Xander, again, like going back to a lot of people with their, the way that they don't like Xander is he could have 100% just jumped right in there. Yeah. Cause she was like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And he could have been like, okay. And here he is talking to her about how serious, how serious it could be. Cause she, like she, she obviously wants a relationship, but she doesn't know how to go about asking for a relationship. Yeah. This is why they are, they are one of my favorite couples. Cause they're just both so <laughs> awkward. They are, and it's adorable, and I love them. Back at the party, Buffy finds Parker again. For a moment, she was afraid she wouldn't be able to, and honestly, Buffy, it probably would have been better had you not. Parker says he was starting to get worried, and so Buffy spins a tale about Spike and how he's an old friend, how he's not supposed to be drinking, and so when she saw him here in the land of beer, Parker says it's okay. She did a good thing for her friend, but he has to know. He was just a friend, right? The two of them, they never went out. Okay? The very idea of it makes Buffy burst out laughing. Because no, no, they really didn't. And meanwhile, we're laughing for a different reason. Because we know that they will. Mm-hmm. Buffy takes her jacket off and Parker says, they have some time to make up for. Think you could get a dance with the prettiest girl at the park. Oh, <sighs> everything that comes out of this guy's mouth makes me want to punch him. I like it. Fucking Parker. Teasing Buffy says what she's supposed to do. Just stand there and watch. I love Buffy. As Lucky begins playing, another song included <sighs> on the official soundtrack. This this is one of my favorites on the soundtrack. This is oh, so good. Parker and Buffy begin to dance. The dancing turns to talking as Parker explains why he switched from pre-med to history. Buffy doesn't get it. Dates and places. Fascinating. <sighs> Truly. But Parker explains that you need to take those big events and break them down because then it's all about people, ordinary people making choices. And when you look back at it, it's like those people are swept up in events they couldn't control. Not that he believes that because you always have a choice over everything you do. Again, I want to punch him. I fucking hate him. Like, it's it again, like it's that college boy pretentiousness that so many fall into like oh my god just punch him this is where the talking turns to kissing and the kissing turns into sex which when it comes to parker is just a bad choice a bad bad choice yeah which is ironic because in the middle of their kissing is a small conversation about choices and how parker wants buffy to know that he'll stop if it's not okay with her because this is her choice which yes consent great Mm -hmm. sentiment not when it's performative like it is with parker oh yeah Parker, yeah, Parker 100% made this into something, made it seem like something that it wasn't. And because he's going to throw back in her face later that it's something she wanted. Mm-hmm. So this is not like consent to be like, are you okay with this? This is the, I'm removing the blame from myself. Yeah, this is this is pure manipulative. 
And this yeah. is this is what a, and again, like the, the the worst part about this is it's what a lot of guys do. Uh huh. They make it seem like they made sure that you were making the choice, but they twisted it in a way that it really it really wasn't. <sighs> anyway, as Buffy makes bad choices, we go back to Giles and his books because he's found something. Something that causes him to immediately call Buffy. But as she is busy making bad choices, aka having sex with El Douchebag, <sighs> the answering machine picks up. Giles tells her to call him immediately. The next morning, Buffy awakes to find herself alone in Parker's dorm room. And notice the sheets. They're red. Mm-hmm. Just like when she woke up alone in Innocence. Mm-hmm. We're going to see quite a few parallels between what happened in Innocence and what happens in here with Parker. Parker being the much more real life version of what the creator was trying to demonstrate in Innocence. That sometimes you sleep with a guy and then they change, become cold and cruel. Which is, again, why I like The Cruel Light of Day. Because I think it lines up. Realizing that she's alone, she gets up and starts gathering her things slash clothes. It's in the middle of the search that Parker, fucking Parker, <laughs> returns with coffee. Buffy seems surprised to see him, but, you know, he lives there. So he thought she might be out for a bit. So he went to grab them coffee. Figured it was better than the old soda and breath mints that lived in his room. Buffy would not say no to a breath mint. Buffy asks Parker if he has plans for the day. and He says he does. His mom's coming to visit. Right. Okay. Buffy will make herself scarce then, but maybe they could talk later. Definitely. Great. So just one thing before she goes, a kiss. Well, she was going to say pants, but a kiss works too. (laughs) They kiss and we head back over to Xander's place where Xander has not awoken alone, but with Anya, the two of them now getting dressed. Anya says now that they've slept together, she's over him. Only she says it in that way. That means she's more trying to convince herself that it's true. Not knowing what else to say, Xander says, okay. (laughs) But that was clearly the wrong thing to say because Anya just yells at him and leaves. I mean, (sighs) poor Xander. I was going to say, he has no idea what just happened. Yeah, well, and I mean, she just said, okay, now I'm over you. Like. Yeah, like, what are you supposed to say to that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, okay. Thanks for telling me. (laughs) Spike and Harmony are still in bed as well. Harmony using a dark colored lipstick to draw a huge heart on Spike's back with the words, Spike loves Harmony inside it. When he asks her what she's doing, she says just that. Why? Because it's fun and she's bored. He can write on her if if he wants. He can't. He needs to get back to work. This causes Harmony to pout. He loves that tunnel more than her. He loves syphilis more than her. Harmony unlocked. (laughs) Oh my God. The moment this scene came on, I was just struck with the memory of all of us going around for months declaring Uh that we love love syphilis syphilis. more than whatever the object of discussion was. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Like, wow. Wow, memory unlocked. (laughs) Back at the dorm, Buffy enters her room to find Giles. There with Willow, (sighs) working on researching something. Most likely the gem. Thankfully, he makes himself known as Buffy was about to start untying the handkerchief top she had worn to the party. As she makes up some lame excuse about being at the library, something we all know Giles will know is false. Mm -hmm. Willow mouths something from where she's standing. 
someplace where at the moment Giles can't see her. We assume she's asking about Parker, if he and Buffy had fun, so to speak. Eventually, Buffy just gives up the pretense and says she's an adult and it's none of Giles's business where she was. Giles is quite relieved by that long explanation <laughs> and asks if they can't turn their attention to the disaster at He hand. really did not want an explanation. He did not. He did. He no. was going to believe whatever lie she told. He is completely, he is completely dad. Yes. He, as long as she's being careful, that's all he cares about. Yes. He just does not want details. It seems the gem of Amara may in fact exist and that it resides in the Valley of the Sun. Something Willow tells us this is a fancy term for Sunnydale. If the writings are to be believed, then it could very well be in an underground crypt. Great. Buffy tells Willow and Giles to start searching for the crypt. She'll see if she can find Spike and stop him before he gets there. Giles starts to leave, content with this this plan, and Willow says she'll call Xander and Oz, tell them to meet at his place. Then, the moment he is gone, she is shutting the door and all but skipping over to Buffy. So, did it happen? It happened, right? With her and Parker? It, it did. Yeah. And, details please! Well, not like details, but you know, Buffy says it was nice. Really nice. And that Parker's going to call. Oh, doesn't she love this part? Willow loves this part, where you're still discovering things. A line that leads us to Spike. In the tunnels, discovering something. The crypt, to be exact. Brian says he knew it was there, and Spike says no one leaves the lair until they're in. He doesn't want the Slayer being able to track anyone down there. This goes for Harmony as well. She's an indoor kitten now. (laughs) What? Harmony doesn't like that. Spike said he'd take her places, take her to France, now she can't even leave the lair? Sensing another fight, and possibly a fuck, coming on, the other vampires leave. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, we're out. Spike reminds Harmony that this gem is the whole reason he came back to Sunnydale, a place where he has gotten his ass kicked more than once. Now, once he has it, everyone dies. But until then, no one leaves. And he would really, really like it if he could just hear a bit less about sodding France. (laughs) He backs Harmony into the ledge, but this time there's no smile. She says she doesn't know why he lets him be so mean to her. And he says, quite truthfully, love hurts. <sighs> I have a problem with this. Just like I have a major problem with parts of season six. Mm-hmm. Because everything we have seen in this episode thus far shows that Harmony likes when Spike gets upset. Yeah, She likes being manhandled. Mm-hmm. And she will continue a fight with Spike to get there. But now, because they need to set up the end of this episode and draw parallels, they're going back on that. And I get it. And like, yeah. Harmony is not the most consistent person. It could be that unlike other things, going to France is really important to her, as it sounds like she was supposed to go maybe possibly as a graduation gift. But still, it seems a very quick 180. Yeah. And I think also, I think a lot of it was like, you know, it was on like she did a lot of things on her terms with pushing him. And now he is getting to his end game. Yeah. So he doesn't want to play with her. I can see that. So I think I th- that that's that's my read on the situation. Like he's like he's OK. Like she was she was somebody that he could have fun with. And, you know, their their whole their whole twisted BDSM thing. You know, it was you know, it was fine. It was fine. Now he's at go time for what he wants to do and he just doesn't want to play and she's not having fun anymore. and she's not having fun it's like it's like bored now yeah i could see that yeah 
We get a little montage next, Buffy asking around about Harmony, Buffy checking in to see if Parker called, and Spike continuing his work to get into the crypt until finally he's in. For a moment, he just takes it in. The size, the depth, the treasure. He then readies to start his search in earnest, just as Harmony pops up. Pretty! Can she take stuff? Yeah, sure. Take whatever she wants. As he thinks he might have already located the gem, spying a pendant on the corpse closest to him, a pendant with a deep green stone. He goes, grabbing it, as Harmony tries on a tiara and other assorted trinkets. Is that it? Does he feel different? He doesn't look different, which she thought he might. Like, he might be taller or glow or something. While she's doing this, she's taking it off and putting on other various pieces of jewelry. Spike decides to try the pendant out, touching a cross, but it burns him. Harmony, trying on a ring, says he should put butter on that. Spike has had just enough. He cannot take it anymore. And he goes to stake Harmony. Only, nothing happens. The wound closes right up. Harmony is so upset. (laughs) Why would he do that? I agree with her. Confused, he grabs the cross again, this time using a cloth, and presses it to Harmony's head. Nothing. Harmony says he's a freak, and he says Harmony has his gem. Okay, fine, if that's all he wants, she lets him pull it off her. He can just take it and get out. Spike says he'll do just that. Go and play outside. At Giles's, the boys are helping Giles and Willow, and while they help, Oz is going through Giles's record collection. Either he's borrowing all of Giles' records, or he's moving in. Giles tries to tell him there are more important things going on at the moment, but when he shows him an album by the Velvet Underground, he quickly backpedals. <laughs> while this is going on, Xander has found Giles' television! He has a TV! He's shallow! Like them! <laughs> Oz expresses disappointment at this fact, and Willow says maybe it doesn't work. That it's more like art? It does work, however. Xander turning it on to show a news story about a sinkhole near campus. Giles assures them he uses it for public television and the news before telling Xander to turn it back off. Yeah, that that TV doesn't really look like it gets much cable. No, they're not going to find the answers to what they need on the television. (laughs) Or are they? Because the news report says the sinkhole was caused by excessive tunneling that weakened the topsoil. Tunneling, which the city has denied. Spike. They head out with Giles telling Xander to grab Buffy. Buffy, who is walking across campus when she spies Parker. Fucking Parker. (sighs) Talking to some other girl and using the dead dad line on her. Oh, fucking Parker. I wonder if his dad is even dead. Probably not. I would like, I would, you know what, me being the spiteful bitch that I am, I would like do a search on him and see if his dad really was dead. And I'd be like, you fucking liar. And then anytime I see him talking to a girl, I would just be like, you know, the thing about his dad is a lie. He's alive and well and living in L.A. Yeah, like Willow could probably do it for us. At this time, it was not as easy to cyber stalk Mm -hmm. someone. She comes up behind him and says his name. Buffy. He then introduces the two girls. Yes, but you could like, like if he just died, like there's a, like you can go like obituaries and stuff. True. <laughs> Buffy Summers, this is Katie Loomis. Loomis is in Billy. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was like, hmm, are we throwing in some references there? Oh. Buffy wants to know what's going on and Parker quickly gets rid of Katie, telling her that she's going to be late to class. So is she a friend of his? Yeah, Buffy would really like her. What's up? Well, he didn't call. 
And Buffy would understand if he's been busy or sick or something. It's only been a couple of days. Did she need to talk to him about something? Now? Buffy just wants to know if everything's okay. Of course. Sure it is. It is? Yeah. Okay. Then does he want to do something? Absolutely. They can definitely do something. Tonight? Well, tonight he thinks he's supposed to get together with some people. Buffy knows a blow off when she sees one. And so this leads her to ask if she did something wrong. Oh. A line so very close to the one she gives Angelus when she asks if she wasn't good. Because again, we're drawing parallels. These two situations are so similar while also being vastly different. Poor Buffy. And like Angelus, fucking Parker answers her very flippantly, telling her, no, it was fun. Didn't she have fun? (sighs) But watch how she answers that. His ego is fragile. (sighs) Fun. Buffy repeats the word. Was that all it was to him? Fun? What else would it be? She thought he really liked her. He does like her, but liking her doesn't equal a commitment. Besides, is that really what she wants right now? He's sorry if she misunderstood his intentions, but oh, oh fucking God. God. The way he gaslights her uh-huh. and turns this whole thing around so that she blames herself, blames down the side of my face. Oh, I am, I am livid. Like this, this whole thing, like everything that built up to the moment that they had sex was him building, building something. Yep. Like he's talking about, you know, doing things and living and, and all this other shit. And then, Buffy apologizes to this asshole. Saying she didn't mean to misinterpret things and that she's sorry. Parker says he really has to go then and starts to leave. Buffy pieces after. She went about this all wrong and no, it's fine. They'll hook up later. He leaves for real and Buffy is left watching him walk away. Then there's Spike, who has just popped up behind her. Oh, well, that was pathetic. Oh, poor Buffy. She is not having a good time. She is not. As she turns to see just how he is behind her during the Daystar hours, (laughs) he punches her in the face. As she goes down, Spike comments on just what a lovely day it is. Birds singing, Squirrels making lots of rotten little squirrels. (laughs) Sun beaming down in a nice, unfatal sort of way. He honestly can't wait to see if he freckles. Buffy's back up then, stick in hand, lunging for him. They fight, and she does stake him, but as he's wearing the gem, it does nothing. In fact, Spike tells her it tickles, in a good way. Buffy realizes he's already gotten the gem, and he confirms it, telling her that it's the official sponsor of his killing her. Then he goes on the offensive, lunging for her. As this is going on, Willow, Oz, and Giles arrive at the crypt where they find a cry in harmony. She laments that being a vampire sucks before going all grr and running at them. (laughs) Xander's still trying to locate Buffy, banging on her dorm room door. When he gets no answer, he turns to leave and ends up running into Anya in the hall of a dorm she does not live in. She tells him she was looking for him. He wasn't in his musty basement. He asks her if she's seen Buffy and she tells him no before attempting to talk about what happened between them. (laughs) Ander, however, does not have the time for this talk because Spike, but Anya doesn't know the circumstances and so thinks she's being brushed off. Aw, poor Anya. I know. Back with Harmony, Giles tries to reason with her, asking where Spike is and if he has the gem. 
Though none of them are openly threatening her, Giles does have a steak candy just in case. Sadly, she nods, telling them that Spike staked her and then took it. Took it right off her finger. She would have given it to him. She would have given him anything. He was her platinum baby and she loved him. Where did Spike go? Looking between the three others, Harmony jumps into the hole, escaping before anyone can grab her. We, however, know where Spike is. As he's still fighting with Buffy. The funniest thing I find about this fight is even though there were like a ton of people around. Nobody did anything. talking to Parker. Mm -hmm. They've all somehow disappeared. I know. Somehow, somehow they sensed that shit was going to be happening and they didn't want to be around for it. No, there's no witnesses. No one who, no witnesses, no one who can start the rumor mill once more about Buffy Summer's weirdness. They continue going at it, flipping over benches, destroying tables and chairs until Xander arrives and attempts to help. That's short-lived though. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of throwing him off to the side. But it does allow both Buffy and Spike to recoup. And Spike to get in good with some psychological warfare, talking about her and Parker, why Parker most likely doesn't want to see her again. Some comments of which are a little foreshadowing, the too strong being one of them, as she and Spike will later literally bring down a house while having Mm. sex. Mm -hmm. He even draws the parallel to Angelus himself, driving that knife in and twisting it, (sighs) but often making a huge mistake as that pisses Buffy off. To the point where she enters the fight with renewed energy, pinning him and getting him in a position to steal the ring. He tells her that if she takes it off him like this and he catches fire, they'll both burn. But Buffy's willing to chance it. She steals the ring and he runs for cover, diving in the sewers. Back at Giles's, the group takes in the ring. It's small. Yeah, barely worth Xander getting his ribs bashed in. Small it may be, but it's also powerful. Which is why it needs to be destroyed. No. Buffy doesn't want to destroy it. She does realize any vampire who possesses it will be nigh unkillable and oh. Us as he can take it to LA. And Buffy thanks him. Xander doesn't get it. What's in LA? Willow tells him Buffy is giving the ring to Angel and not to make a fuss. (laughs) That night, Buffy and Willow walk across campus, Buffy wondering if this is just how it is. Sleep with a guy and they go evil. Willow says she made a mistake and that's okay. Next time she'll just, what? Buffy tells her that Parker also said it was okay to make mistakes. Aww. That it seems sweet. No, it wasn't. It was, he was manipulating her. He's a poop head. He is a poop head. Agreed. Agreed. He is a poop head. Buffy says she's right. He's manipulative and shallow. And why doesn't he want her? Aww. Is she repulsive? If she was repulsive, Willow would tell her, right? Of course. She's her friend. If she was repulsive, she would tell her to her face. Buffy thinks maybe she and Parker could still work it out. No. Does Willow think they can work it out? Willow thinks Buffy's missing the whole poop head part of this. Yes, she is. Buffy tells Willow to go on ahead, that she's going to take a walk. And so our episode ends with Buffy, Anya, and Harmony, all brokenhearted and all walking alone, literally just missing one another. Men suck. Men suck. The end. The end. That is the moral of the story. Although, to be fair, Xander doesn't know that Xander, Xander's not too bad. Xander's not too bad. Xander, Xander and Giles were the only, well, it's Oz. Yeah. So our boys didn't suck. Everybody else sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, Anya, Anya and Anya and Xander just aren't 
communicating properly. No, they're having they're having communication issues. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode was just littered with lines they ended up having to cut. Mm-hmm. And my personal favorite is when Buffy's on the phone with Giles during the party and she's telling him about Spike and Harmony. Well, apparently in the original script, she goes on to say something about how she always thought Spike and Drew were a forever kind of deal. Didn't he? Like, what does this say about commitment? To which Giles replies, I'm disillusioned. I shall never love again. (laughs) Like the sass. The sass. One of the other other cut lines that I like was... uh... They, they saw Harmony and Devin was like, man, that looked like Harmony. Weird. I saw her get bit at graduation. I didn't tell you. Thanks, Devin. <laughs> Thanks. God, De- Devin. Oh, Devin. Yeah. I love Devin. Oh, there's another another reference when she talks about drowning. Buffy, when you drowned, whoever brought you back, they're getting a big kiss from me. Buffy, Xander will be so happy. He will. Yep. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season four, episode four, Fear Itself. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Fucking Parker!